that's an awesome way to get up. Wow. Let me read something to you. Um, well, first of all, in talking about Martin Luther King Jr., there's a, you got me going. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. <laughs> but the thing that ama- always amazed me about um, about him, as you said, number one, he was from a very wealthy, cultured, sophisticated family, best neighborhood. If anything, he lived in a segregated neighborhood that was, you know, the, the high, the high, the highbrow area. The amazing thing, it wasn't just a society movement that he fought, uh, a society-wide civil rights movement in his own family. I can't remember which way this went. Maybe some of you know. It was either his family or Coretta's family who objected when they got married. One of them thought that the other was sufficiently socially below them. So in their own families, they had social class wars where they said, don't marry her, she's from the wrong side of the tracks, or vice versa. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, you'd, I thought maybe Tim might have picked that up. And it was significant. So very, it's, it's, it's funny. The other thing about that is that when um, John F. Kennedy ran for president, his dad protested on the basis that he was Catholic. Martin Luther King Sr. protested on the basis that JFK was Catholic. Now, you can understand in a sense because of the fact that, that if Martin Luther King Sr. went to Europe and admired Martin Luther, the Reformation, well, okay, he, you, know, you can understand maybe why that was hard for him. Nevertheless, it was one of those funny things when JFK heard that and he just laughed and said, I can't believe that Martin Luther King's dad is, is taking a stance like that in light of what his son stands for. But it was so it wasn't just he came from the real world. He wasn't an alien. And in his own family he had to battle these same things. How many of you feel that way sometimes? Like, you know, we're trying to make a difference in the world, but we can't get past our front door sometimes with all the things that we're you know, so take comfort in that. Uh, he he broke out of a lot of things. Also I wanted to read what we believe in our statement of faith about discrimination. It says, we deplore and do not practice discrimination based on race, color, nationality, social class, ability, or gender. All humans are made in God's image and are equally valuable in God's sight and therefore in ours. In Christ, all human distinctions are superseded by our standing as children of God. In Christ, there's no male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, etc. So it is a very relevant uh, and I thank you for bringing that emphasis to us this morning. Now let's um, consider this morning what I think is going to be a bit of a unique focus. I can still hear it on my street growing up. I can hear it at lunchtime or about our dinner time or about 9 o'clock on a summer night. I can hear a mom yelling, Ricky! How many of you grew up in a neighborhood like that, okay? Jolene! She was way up the street, and Mom would just go out the door and bellow because what happened is the kids went out, and they didn't show up until Mom yelled, Nancy!
I know I'm striking a chord here. The best one, just kitty corner across from us, was Mrs. Pepe. My, 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 she should have gone into the business. That woman could bellow. Her daughter's name was Yvonne. She'd say, Yvonne! That was your grandmother. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can still hear it because it beat on my brain for years, every day. Yvonne! I think she trained Placido Domingo to sing. Moms would bellow out their kids' names, summoning them home. Today, we're looking at what we believe, and what we're looking at is still the introduction to our statement of faith, what we believe. Last week, we talked about the Bible as our first, the word of God and our first and final authority. This week, we're looking at the fact that the Bible is the historical account of how God rescues lost humanity, centered around his son, Jesus Christ, which is known as the gospel, which means good news. And notice that each sex in our beliefs is clearly demonstrated to be connected to the gospel. If you, I would encourage you to look at an outline. We're following the outline very close. In fact, that's exactly what we're doing today, minus, a, minus some verses that we're going to read right out of the Bible. Um, the Bible has a big story, as well as individual accounts. And the big overarching theme is God preparing for us to come back to him, preparing a way that, he, that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ and calling us back to him. So there are a lot of scriptures that are invitations for us to come to him, to draw closer to him, to follow him. God is an inviting God. He made a way through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is him preparing to make that way. Jesus makes the way, and then after Jesus, the letters are talking about the way that's been prepared and inviting us to go that way, to accept Jesus Christ, to believe upon him, and become children of God and walk with him. That's like the whole Bible being summarized. And it's very simple and very broad, but very accurate. Sometimes the invitations to come to him are extended through God's servants. Sometimes God himself or Jesus himself call out the invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, for example, in Jesus. Sometimes they're made to specific people. Sometimes they're made to the whole world. Look to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved, the Lord said in Isaiah. Sometimes they use the direct language of invitation. Sometimes they're phrased a little differently. The first one is very simple. We find it in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Adam and Eve have fallen into sin. They took the fruit that they were not to take, and they fell. They were sinners. And it says in verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, here's the first invitation in the Bible. Where are you? See, it's not a very profound invitation. 
in some ways. Adam, Eve, where are you? Did God know where they were? Of course he knew where they were. He was, he wanted them to realize where they were, right? He was initiating, going after them, wanted them to engage with him. He wasn't trying to find them. He was trying to help them find themselves. And by the way, where are you? Verses 8 and 9 is the rest of the history of the human race in a nutshell. Isn't it? The rest of the history of the world. We are hiders from God. Aren't we? We hide from God. We hide from each other. We hide from ourselves behind all kinds of stuff. And God says to us, where are you? The rest of our lives, God is calling. Draw near to me. I will draw near to you. He's engaging us. The only thing more amazing than the truth that we hide from God, I guess knowing who I am and who God is, is not surprising I hide, right? But the fact that God comes looking is what's amazing. Didn't Jesus say in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost? There it is. Thank you, Jesus, and that's exactly what he did. He died for our sins, and he provided a way, and now he calls to us to come to him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at some more invitations in the Bible. I'm just going to read them. We'll do a lot of reading and a little bit of commenting on it and kind of summarize it at the end. So it's a little different than what, the way we normally do it maybe, but I want you to receive these invitations. I want you to hear them as invitations to you because they actually are. Wherever we are, God is calling us to move closer to him, to follow him, or follow him more wholeheartedly. We are saved if we know Jesus. We are being saved, and one day we will be finally completely saved. None of us have arrived. So he's calling. Second Chronicles 7.14 is our second verse. If my people... By the way, this verse is not written to America. It's written to his people, Judah, in the book of Chronicles. If my people, who are his people in, the, in America now? The church. Okay. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Okay, Called by my name. Own who you are, child of God. Let it define you and move you. Humble yourselves. Pray. Acknowledge our needs. Seek God's face. Seek to know him well. Turn from our wicked ways. But surely none of us are involved in any wicked ways. 
repent, repent, turn from our sin. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 and verse 6 invites us, Oh, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Boy, we sang for joy this morning, didn't we? That was awesome. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. He hears, this isn't God's invitation. In first, first Chronicles, Second Chronicles 7.14, it's God speaking. Here it's the psalmist, David speaking. He says, come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The ultimate goal of our doctrine is worship. It's to know him and worship him, not to get big heads full of Bible knowledge alone. It's to worship. Isaiah 118. This is the Lord speaking. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. He has just gotten done presenting a case against the nation of Israel. And he says, let us reason together. Acknowledge what I'm saying. If you really think about it, there have been so many times in the Christian life and in the pastorate where I've done this. Someone says, you know, someone's protesting a, a stance we take or something. I'm like, let us reason together. You already know this. And you know what the Bible says. And you know the position. Well, let's be reasonable. Isaiah 45, 21 through 22. And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. Charles Spurgeon was converted. Look to me, all ends of the earth, and be saved. And the pastor got up and said something like, look to me, anybody can look. You don't have to be a great scholar. You don't have to. All you need to do, look to Jesus and be saved. He was. Uh, open your Bibles to Isaiah 55. There was no way to print this out. I know Marn's saying, why didn't you get it to me? <laughs> because I'm me. And <laughs> like Tim, I'm saying, I'm mad that I didn't get this earlier. <laughs> Isaiah 55, starting in verse 1. Through nine. Isaiah 55. This is a great invitation passage. Aha, uh -huh. I knew she could do it on the spot. I, I've never had somebody who could do that before. I want to tell you she's good. The girl's good. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You've been to the grocery store lately? How good does that sound? Why spend money on what is not bread 
Labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of, richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations do not, you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields for the seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that comes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. There's like three or four songs, popular songs in there. Don't you hear them? Taken from this incredible passage that says, Come, take, take from the Lord. Be enriched by him, by all the blessings and benefits that come from being his people. Powerful stuff. Joel chapter 2, on your outline again. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Why are we weeping? Why are we mourning? Well, in this case, it's because of their sin and the potential destruction because of their sin. Rend your heart and not your garments. The practice was, of course, when you, to express grief, you went, tear your garments. He says, I don't believe you. He says, you say that you're sorry for the sin you've committed. You tear your clothes, but your heart is not torn over it. He said, start within. Grieve your sin. Then tear your garments. That's a good practice if we do it in the right order. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. That's good news. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, the great invitation of Jesus. Come to me, all you, are, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What's the qualification to, to get rest from Jesus? Come to him weary and burdened. I think we can fulfill that. I think our resume includes that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
that's following him, that's doing what he says, that's being obedient disciples. Notice how obedience, repentance, and comfort and strength from the Lord seem to all go together. It's not one or another. Either come to him because you have a need and you need his help, or come to him in repentance. No, it's they're together. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (laughs) The Gospel of John (laughs) is one big invitation. And notice how I've just given you a whole bunch of references. You're welcome to try to turn to them if you want, but I'm just going to read them. Okay, receive. And I, and I am only scratching the surface on this. I mean, this is not an exhaustive list. But listen to John's. No one, chapter 3, verse 14, uh, third, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You know what's next. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter 6, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John chapter 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, but by the way, who remembers what festival that was? We had a Sunday night where it wasn't Passover, no. It was it was the winter festival, which is Hanukkah, right on. Yeah. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. John chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the gate. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever enters through me will be saved. John chapter 11, Jesus said to, in this case it was Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus in John chapter 12 says this, and I... Listen to this invitation. When I am lifted up from the earth, the cross, he tells us in the next verse, that's what it means. When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. (laughs) The end of John chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
It's a big invitation to believe in Jesus. How awesome is it going to be for those who are going to study John? (laughs) And hopefully you'll come back to me in a couple months and say, you know, you quoted that verse wrong. You know, you didn't give the context of that, you know, because they'll they'll know John. By the way, I like when you do that. Hebrews, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 4? I know this is a lot of scripture reading. What's the main point? God is a what kind of God? He's an inviting God. Or you could say he's a seeking God, a saving God. He's coming after us. He's saying, where are you? The hound of heaven. Yes. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. That, we, could, we could lose our minds on that for years. <laughs> Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You have a need, go to the throne of grace because of Jesus. How many have needs, hurts, weaknesses, gaps, etc.? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Turn to that one. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, he made the way. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. (laughs) Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Have here's holiness here, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Draw near to God. Hold fast. Seek to live holy. Seek to live godly lives. Be cleansed. And then when we come together, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's help one another follow Jesus. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That is an incredible passage. Mm. Revelation. If you would turn to Revelation... Chapter 21, we made it through all the scriptures once I read these. Starting in verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Does that sound familiar? He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the bride. Who's the bride? The church. The Spirit, through the bride, says, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Where did we start this whole reading? In Genesis chapter 3, where is it ending? Revelation 22, what does that mean? Entire Bible. Did we go anywhere else in the Bible? You're saying, oh my, where haven't we been? (laughs) Could we go many other places in the Bible? We sure could. It's right. We could have just read everything. So, is God an inviting God? Is the theme of the Bible inviting us back to him? Okay. With that, let's look at these summary statements. God is calling you to come to him and be saved. If you're not saved, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've not realized you're separated from God and need to receive the payment of Jesus Christ for your sin. See, Jesus came to rescue us. He's the way God made back to him. He died for our sin to pay for it. We need to receive the payment. Say, I'm not going to try to earn my salvation, Jesus. You paid for my sin. I accept what you did on the cross. I believe that you died to save me. The Lord, secondly, is calling. we know that he's calling you to repent of your sins. Did you notice how much it says in here? And by the way, I left out the biggest call to repentance, which is in James chapter 4, where it says things like, cleanse your hearts, you sinners. You, and it, 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 it's, it's blunt, it's straight. There's calls to repentance. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. And it's mixed in with all the other things. So we need to repent. Why? Because God is what? Pure and holy, same thing, little different. We don't just go to a perfect God with any attitude we want, with any lifestyle we want, right? I'm not comforted by God like he says. Why? Well, you're living in sin, and you're not sorry for it. Listen, when we mess up and we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we don't confess our sin, if we don't care about our sin... We're not going to get comfort. We're not going to be in fellowship with God. We're not going to be close to God. It's not about whether we sin. We sin. The question is, do we know it? Do we repent of it? The Lord is calling you thirdly to come and worship. We saw that. The actual quote, I said, our doctrine the goal of our doctrine, our, what we believe is to is worship. The actual quote is, the goal of theology is doxology. We learn about God so that we will worship him, not just know something about him. You can't follow what you don't know. 
But once you know it, you need to follow it and worship. The Lord is calling you to come and surrender. How much did we see that through here? And we didn't even read all of Jesus' calls to follow him, to take up our, his cross, take up our cross and follow him, to come and see, come and follow, come and be with me, remain in me. We, did, we skipped that whole part. Surrender. Why? Because he's God and we're not. That, isn't that profound? <laughs> That's good theology, Mike. You must have gone to seminary. <laughs> We follow him. Sometimes we think he's supposed to serve us and follow us. Nope. His grace, he does so much for us, as we've seen some of this. But who's God in this equation? The Lord is calling you to come with your burdens. We saw that in Hebrews. Any, it, listen, when you need grace and mercy and help, he wants us to come, and we saw that through here. God, it, those who are weary and heavy laden, come, and I will give you rest. But he also says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. In other words, follow me, obey me. They're all tied together. And last, the Lord is calling you to be filled with the Spirit. At the last day of the feast, Jesus cried out what? He who is thirsty, come to me. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke of the Spirit who had not yet come because Jesus was not yet glorified. Is Jesus now glorified? Has the Spirit come? Out of our innermost being can flow rivers of living water. Here's the call at the end. Tim, Donna, John, Vicki, Steve, Mike, Mark, Monica, where are you? We're all good thing we don't believe in holy relics or I might get struck with lightning. <laughs> Where are you? Do we all have distance toward the Lord which we need to come? Yes. Wherever we're starting, we need to come closer. We need more of him. I can tell you right now, you're going to love this. I can tell you right now where you are with the Lord. Does that scare you? Does it scare you that I know exactly where you are? Hmm? I know exactly what your relationship with the Lord is. I know exactly where you are with the Lord. As close as you want to be. It's not because of his lack of initiative toward you. Any distance between us and him is on us. Where are you? Come.
others, draw near to God. Father, the fact that you are an inviting God, the fact that you don't just invite us, but you don't make it something that we have to accomplish ourselves. You accomplish the way back for us and just simply tell us to follow, to come to you. Thank you, Lord. Now I pray we would listen to our hearts. If there's someone who needs to know Jesus for real and be forgiven and made a child of God, I pray they would come to you. If there's somebody that needs to repent, I pray they would. They would turn from their sin. They would change their minds and their hearts would break. If there is somebody, Lord, who needs help, healing, strength for the trials of life, there's, and I know we're full of those, uh, those type of things in our lives, Lord, um, I pray we would come today. We'd accept your invitation. I pray we'd come to worship. I pray we'd come to pray. I ask that we would come to you because you've clearly made it known that you want us closer. You've invited. Father, help us to accept that invitation and draw near to the only one who loves us perfectly and eternally. Amen.